You are listening to Hands at Work Audio. This podcast was recorded at Moody Radio and aired on October 15th, 2013 from Chicago, USA. Hands at Work would like to thank Nancy Turner and Diana Berryman at This is the Day, as well as the rest of the staff at Moody Radio. Thanks for tuning in to Moody Radio and do stay tuned today. I'm so happy to have my brother in Christ here in studio. Many times I've interviewed him, but it's been on the phone because he's been in Africa. <laughs> Today he's here sitting across from me. George Snyman lives just outside Masoye, South Africa, with his wife Carolyn and the youngest two of his four children in a, get this, a multicultural international community of people. Now, this community they built themselves, giving their lives to the poor. Uh, in 1994, your family, George, left their suburb- your suburban lifestyle in Pretoria in search of a more meaningful life. And you've told that story. I love that story, especially when you were crossing that bridge, which is very symbolic anyway. Um, first, welcome. Thank you, Nancy. I love being here and to be encouraged um, while being away from Africa to be with you is very encouraging. Yes, we are definitely connected in our souls. And I, to your organization, someday hope to get there. Um, tell us, if you will, give us a thumbnail sketch of what happened in your life, George Pretoria. Uh, you were happy, suburban life, had everything going. What happened? Completely unexpectedly. I cannot even claim that I... I did one ounce of work towards that. Mm. Um, Jesus, even though I went to church my whole life, uh, Jesus burst into my life in, a, in an amazing way. And um, everything changed. Everything changed. And that was the just of all of that. And so earlier when you said George and his family left, they're comfortable, you know what, all we did is... We chased the heart of our father. Um, mm-hmm. I found that God was my dad. He mm-hmm. was my father, and I was so hungry for him that um, we decided to, to go on this journey with nothing holding us back to find his heart. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, he led us to the orphans. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we were talking off the air because I said, well, how dangerous is it to do the work you do in Africa? Because you go in many different areas where we know there is persecution of Christians. It's going in South Africa, Swaziland, Mozambique, Zimbabwe, Zambia, Congo, Malawi, Nigeria, all of those areas. Um, and you said an interesting comment, and it's so Jesus. You said, well... It's the worst when we help the poorest of the poor, the persecution. When we help the layer above that, people who have a little more, it's not so bad. Why do you think that is? I think the poorest of the poor, um, first of all, I, I believe Jesus is, is, if I may say, he's hidden in them. When you find them, when I found them the first time in a shack and a rubbish dump, uh, Josephine, she was 22 with two little daughters. They were, she was busy dying of AIDS. And, and that one blanket, it was snowing outside. And I sat with them in that shack. And, and I can honestly say to you, I've never been in the presence of, of Jesus like I've been in that shack. Um, there's something mystical about that. There's something that the Lord is hidden in the most vulnerable. You know, Isaiah 57 verse 15 
the, the prophet does say, God lives high in the mountains and in a humble of heart. Mm-hmm. And I think when we find the poorest, when all the layers have been scraped off their lives, there's nothing left but God in them. Mm-hmm. I believe that that's where we find Christ in his fullness. And that's where I found him. So I do believe that it's very close to our Father's heart. The most vulnerable are hidden away. Very few people can really get to them. And um, I also believe that that is where Satan is really causing havoc the most because they are so vulnerable. And because so close to his heart. It's so close to his heart. And if, and if the evil one could do anything, it would be to take a machete and slap that away. You cannot be there. We will destroy you because that is the closest to the heart of the one I despise, Jesus. Exactly. And we must remember Jesus was a refugee in Africa. Very few people think about that. Jesus experienced that firsthand. He was chased. He was hunted. He was part of a genocide. And so he knew what it was like. He knew how his parents had to flee. He was born in shame, in a sense, from a mother that was not married yet. He, he had all those experiences. Jesus knew that. And so when you look at that today, um, it reminds him of when he was on earth. Well, we want to know about the community, and we want to know what hands at work, literally what that is, and that is what it is, hands at work, showing love. Stay with us, friend, as we continue on. And our God is strong enough to take those hands that travel to Africa and use them. Stay with us. It's all about Jesus. It's all about us being the hands and the feet and the hands at work in Africa. Thank you, Diana, for the great music God's helping you to find and play today for this program, Hands at Work in Africa. Hope you'll go to the website and check it out today. And go to thisistheday.fm. You'll find it listed right up there, handsatwork.org. George Snyman is the guy behind it, started it, the vision. We are before we do. George, tell us about that. Nancy, this is so important for us because it's so part of our testimony. Um, And so many of us struggle with that once we find Jesus. And we've met through the years so many people that wrestle with that. I want to do something for God. Um, How does it work? And we always encourage people, and in our community, we're very strong about that, that we say, first and foremost, it's about our relationship with our Father and how we live it out among each other, how we love and care for each other. If we do that right, if that is happening, it will spill into the community around it. It will roll out. We will have compassion for other people. So in Hands at Work, we go to communities that are completely dysfunctional. What I mean by that is that children are off the ladder completely. They don't have choices today. Um, Can I be safe? Can I eat? Can I go to school? None of those choices are there. There's no safety there. There's no social network or social workers caring for them. When their parents die, there's nobody. I mean, nobody. The next morning they wake up, they've got to fend for themselves. Mm. I remember so well one day in Malawi in a rural village, I saw a girl of 12 years old and I knew she was 12 because she told me she sat outside her hut all by herself 
And I went and I sat next to her. And I asked her a question. I've asked thousands of people from when I met Christ. I said to her, tell me your story. Mm. I want to know your story. And she shared with me a story how both her parents died when she was nine and how she had to learn to fend for herself, how she had to walk deep into the forests alone to gather wood to sell to survive. And I'm sitting there, Nancy, as an adult, trying to comprehend that life and what it meant to me as a follower of Christ. See, that's my crisis point. What does it mean to me, the one who brings hope? We heard this morning from Billy Graham, hope. That's the one thing we can bring and nothing must stop us to bring that. Mm. But you can only bring it if we've received it firsthand from our dad. And as I sat there, the girl, I said to the girl, what's the toughest thing you experienced since your parents died? And I thought she was going to tell me hunger. And she looked at me and she said to me, you are the first person that came to visit me since I died. Mm. And... You know, that beautiful feet, that's what you can bring. But you can only bring beautiful feet if you've received beautiful feet that came into your life. If people walked into your life. So in our community, when people come from all over the world, short-term teams or long-term workers with us, we make sure we walk into each other's lives. We make sure that we honestly love each other and sometimes love means that we speak about things that should change but it's all centered on Christ what he did for us and that we were orphans we were lying in a field naked we were that little girl sitting there and with no hope and Jesus came our father adopted us you know he didn't just save us that's amazing I mean can you imagine he saved us and he, and he gave us eternal life and he justified us. Legally, we stand in a right place with him. But then, Nancy, he did something incredible. He took off the rope as a judge and he walked down to us and he said, I not only save and set you free, today I adopt you. Come into my house. Mm. You are now my son and my daughter. Mm. And if we get that, if that happens, we are then we will do, not because we have to, not because we want to influence or impact anybody, but because it's pumping on us. His DNA is running through our veins, yeah. and we want to reach out. And where can be a more special place than to reach out where there's no hope, like zero, zilts, nothing. Mm -hmm. And so we are addicted, if I can say that, mm -hmm. to find villages where there's no hope and to burst into their lives like Christ burst into a middle-class white South African's life um, now many years ago. Mm. You've had 30 teams that came to Africa to work with you. That's a lot of work. You talk about hands at work. I mean, just guiding the 30 teams. How did that all play out? What happened? What would you like to see happen? Yeah, we had 32 teams this summer, and, and it was huge. It was very busy. And um, that's scattered across eight countries now in Africa. And um, it does cost us a lot. We are stretched thin to do that. But the reason we do that, Nancy, is because we don't want people just to support financially. That's not doing it. Because we as committed to the believers in outside Africa as we are inside Africa. And let me say, in Africa... We lose, we have 180,000 new orphans every month, every month. 
180,000 new new orphans every month. But in the developed world, I believe you have 180,000 new spiritual orphans every month. And as we are dying physically, the church and the people outside Africa is dying spiritually. And you know what I have seen in the last 20 years? When those two worlds collide, and there's nobody a master and there's nobody a slave, but they arrive, like Andrew Murray would say, evangelism is one beggar showing another beggar where to find bread. <laughs> if we come together and we know our poverty, all of us, John 10, 10 happens. It brings life to both. And so we want the church outside Africa to meet the children we know by name. It doesn't matter how much it costs us because we know it will change their lives and they will go home with compassion burning in their hearts. That word has been burning into my heart recently. So that's why I'm looking at you and like kind of freaking out because it's like that word has been coming to me over and over. First, compassion. First, compassion. Well, we've got just one more break and important things to cover about your church. Maybe there could be a partnership. Maybe there could be a trip. Certainly there can be prayers. And spread the word, friends. So do stay with us at Moody Radio. My guest, George Snyman, lives in South Africa. There's a community there, and it is based on being the hands of Jesus and coming alongside people, not to change them and not to say, I've got a better idea, but to say, tell me your story and let me love you and let me come alongside and help you with whatever you're doing and and let me wash clothes with you at that place where you're washing clothes and, and let me sit with you and hold your hand and hear your story. And I hear that heartbeat, George, that you're bringing is a compassionate heartbeat. Nancy, compassion, the Latin word for that actually means to suffer with, to choose to suffer with. Mm. Um, And that's why love must be rediscovered uh, among us as believers, real love with servanthood. It can only come, love can only come when we learn that love is all about giving. It's making a choice that you're going to do something on behalf of someone else. You're going to do something that's not about you. And you know what's an amazing thing? And I can say in the last 17 years, I got healed tremendously from many, many hurts in my life. But every time I got healed, it was actually when I reached out. I reached out to the other side of the road and I touched somebody else at my expense. And... um, Two and a half weeks just before I came here, I was in the Congo. And I was in this little village in the Congo called Kikula. Um, nobody earned more than a dollar a day. Just met the most amazing believers walking in the dusty roads of Africa, bringing life. And they introduced me that morning to Shadrach. they just found him the previous night. And Shadrach, I gave him a first look and he looked about two and a half, three years old. Shadrick was seven. Mm. Um, His hair was orange and straight. His eyes were pitch black, circles around his eyes, heavy hanging with a swollen stomach. And and I bent down and and I picked Shadrick up and I I held him and he clung to my body the rest of the day. And, you know, we we immediately placed him on a a special feeding program and and Shadrick is going to be okay. Mm. 
But the thing that made such an impact in my life there again was every now and then I would take Shadrach and I would whisper in his ear and I would say to him, Shadrach, I would call his name. And every time I did it, his little hand was around my <laughs> shoulder and then he gave me this huge squeeze. You know, though Shadrach was hungry, so hungry for food, he was so desperate to hear his name. Mm. He was so desperate to hear that he's a person mm. and that somebody knew his name. And in Isaiah 43, we read, I know you by name. So in Hands at Work, we say, we want to reach 100,000 children in villages where there's no hope. But we want to reach them one by one, knowing their names. Mm. We want their names to be heard in the a, in a air today. Every morning when Carolyn, my wife, and I pray, we say, Lord, today, may the children hear their names. Mm. May they be touched. May beautiful feet go to them and say, I know you. Mm, mm, mm. And I think that's a dream that we have. And that's compassion lived out at your expense for someone. And when you do that, healing comes to you. And I love what you talked about where you said, yes, this is about serving children here, but it's also about serving children in America as well, because many of us are orphans here as well. Now, do you there also help? I know you talk about children a lot. Also the adults, you come alongside them. In what ways do you serve them? Yes, you know, in fact, right now, a huge drive for us is to reach what we call the care workers. That's just the grandmothers, the widows who look after these orphans. And you know, Nancy, they, they are hurting. They hurt like many people who listen to me this morning are hurting. And when we go to them, we start with a theme. Do you know the Jesus I know? Mm. Why don't you describe that to us? Well, we say the Jesus we know is the one that brought love and healing into our lives. He's the one that say, I don't want to just use you. I want to love you. I want to heal you. And so when we sit with his grandmothers in, in uh, churches which are just mud buildings, it is incredible. We would sit there sometimes for hours. An old grandmother will stand up and say, I need to be honest today and say to you, I was so angry with my children that they died on me, all of them, and they left me with all these grandchildren, and I feel so guilty. But today I heard that I'm just wounded. And because I'm wounded, I wound other people. And so we bring this healing to them. Yes. We say to them, the Jesus we know came to bring life and life and abundance. Now when we do these things and when teams come and visit us, initially they come because they want to reach out to the children. And that's so beautiful. But you know how many of our people that come to visit us will come to me and say, George, I found healing today. I found healing today. Just listening to the grandmother, Mm -hmm. I realized how deeply I'm wounded. Mm -hmm. And so we are wounded and we need to be healed. And when we are healed, we can bring love. Yes. So uh, with our last few minutes, I know I'm going to recommend you go to our website. Please go to thisistheday.fm. Find your way to Hands at Work. What would you hope people would, a call to action, if you will, what people could 
uh, how they could become involved? Well, of course, we desperately need people to pray. Um, we face many, many obstacles and challenges. And the number one thing is we need people to pray. If I go onto our website, they can sign onto our prayer list. My mother, who's 84, heads up the, the intercession. <laughs> she just sent an email out this morning on the Congo. And so please pray for us. Mm. Please speak about us. Isaiah 58 verse 10 say, speak on behalf of those who could know voice. We don't want to spend too much time in the United States. We want to spend every minute we can in Africa. So we need people to speak on behalf of hands at work reaching out. And we are looking for workers. We are looking for mature people. We are looking for skilled people. We are looking for compassionate people. People that just want to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. Thank you for joining us. www.handsatwork.org